Welcome to the Inner Revolution Show, where we take a journey within to uncover the inner resources deep within our soul to transform physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. It is through this higher sense of knowing we are able to design and live our lives with purpose, compassion, and for the collective consciousness. Are you ready to start your own inner revolution? Come with me. everyone and welcome back to the inner revolution this is dr renee here for another week we are plugging along in season three we are now on episode seven it moves along so fast when you're having a really good time in today's show i am so excited i don't i say this every single week right i am i'm absolutely excited about every single guest that I have on this show. And as you know, most of the guests that I meet, I always meet on Instagram because it is an absolute beautiful place of people doing amazing things. And our guest today is no different. But this topic is probably the most significant because as you know, I've dedicated my own life to this field and particularly working with children and adolescents. But I was so so happy when I saw this beautiful soul emerge doing this fantastic movement called hashtag therapy is cool. And you may have seen my pictures on Instagram when I was over in India traveling and things of that nature. But I, I wore my bag to my classes that I teach in educational psychology at the university every single day proudly. And I have two of them. I stole my daughter's bag, Christina, I have to tell you that in a second, but um, I'm so proud of this movement and this woman. She's doing amazing things. So who am I talking about? I'm talking about Dr. Christina Iglesia, and she is a clinical psychologist, and she provides therapeutic services in the San Francisco Bay Area, and she is dedicating her platform on Instagram to ending the stigma of mental health, and more importantly, really engaging in a, in a campaign that raises money from much needed um, therapy services, and I would imagine research services and things like that in the field of mental health. So welcome, Dr. Christina, to the show. Can you hear Hello. me? Hello. I can hear you. Yay. It's such a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so, so very much for having me on and giving me an opportunity to talk a little about mental health awareness and the importance that it is to use our roles in this world to combat mental health stigma. Yeah, absolutely. And my soul sister and I were just chatting before the show and she, she absolutely loves you. Um, And yes, yes. So my dear sister, Frida, told me to say hi and how inspiring you are. (laughs) How inspiring you are. And she absolutely loves your work. But for those who might be new to the Edda Revolution, can you just maybe talk a little bit about how you got um, inspired to come into the field of mental health and in particular how you started up hashtag therapy is cool. Absolutely. So I think this story is similar to many of us in the field, which is mental health conditions, mental health disorders, illnesses, however you want to describe it, came into our own life whether it was personally experienced, whether we were witness to it. So my journey has been similar to that 
in the sense of when I was growing up, I witnessed trauma and addiction happening within one of my family members. And I had what I call a front row seat to what that truly looks like when somebody you care about, somebody you love, begins to struggle so deeply and so critically that outside sources become involved, treatment becomes involved, and the impact it has on the family unit as a whole. So as I grew up, what is mental health conditions? How does it impact people? Because I saw firsthand how much it impacted not only my family, but myself and the ways that that then rippled into how I experienced the world and how I experienced life. And after my first psychology class in undergrad, I was hooked. I (laughs) just kept on signing up for psychology classes, even though I had come in as an undecided undergrad. And once I was in the academic learning environment that provided me with research and lab work and clinical studies, I truly became riveted and excited and energized by the idea that healing is available, that treatments are available, that there is opportunities for people to navigate life with psychological support. So I went straight from undergrad to grad school. I didn't stop. I thought, you know what, let's just keep this train going. (laughs) And um, I did my focus on clinical psychology with an availability for each year to have experience doing therapy in different treatment settings. So outpatient, inpatient, residential, different age groups, hospital. And I truly felt like with all of my breadth of experience, I knew that not only was this a passion, but that this was a calling. And since then, I have made my exit strategy to private practice because I found that that was actually going to be the best way for me to be able to support my own members in my own community. So I do private practice here in the San Francisco Bay Area. And about a year ago, I started to really pick up on this theme and even this barrier that was presenting in treatment with the people that I was working with. I would have teens tell me that they would lie or, um, you know, cover up the fact they were in therapy because they didn't want their friends to know. I had adults saying that they couldn't tell their partner or friends that they were engaging in therapy because they were scared to be called crazy. And so I started to really see mental health stigma for the first time up close. I knew it existed. I knew that it was out there. I had read about it. I had learned about it, but when it started to infiltrate the treatment that I was participating in my practice, I kept coming back to this idea, how can I do something about this issue? 
people are coming in and they're turning off their phone and their location services so people don't know where they are. That oh, tells wow. me that there is shame. That tells me that there's embarrassment. That tells me that there is secrecy. And as a mental health provider, that's the last thing you want your patient right. to experience. You want them to come into the therapeutic work open and ready, not closed down, ashamed, or scared. And so I started to think about, well, what, what could I do? How could I parlay this to something bigger than me, bigger than just my community here in the Bay Area? And I actually reached out to over a dozen mental health organizations. And I said, hey, I want to get into advocacy work. What do you have for me? I want to provide my services. I want to volunteer. And I would say that 90% never responded to my email. And the few that did really said things along the line, like you're, you're overqualified for this, or we don't have a position for you to do this. So Mm. I kind of felt stuck. I have this issue that I'm seeing impact treatment, impact people, impact society, yet I'm not really able to find an avenue where I can do something about it. Right. So that's the birth of the hashtag therapies, cool mental health action campaign. I thought and thought and thought, and I kept coming back to the idea of how can we change the conversation about therapy? How can we change the conversation about seeking help? That it's not negative, that it's not shameful, that it's not something that should be stigmatized. So I kept trying to find words that were positive connotations. And I came up with the phrase, therapy is cool. Because when I hear the word cool, I think of positive things. Yeah. When I hear the word therapy, people think many things. Right. (laughs) These two things together and saying, hey, accessing mental health services is not something to be ashamed of. It's a good thing. Taking care of your mental health is a good thing. Caring about the things that you think about and feel and express is a good thing. Therapy is cool. Yeah, it is. I mean, (laughs) we are biased, but yes, it it is. (laughs) And so then I was like, well, now what? Okay, I I thought, what am I supposed to do with it? Like, I I guess I could start like um, a social media page. I guess I could, you know, maybe do workshops on this. But I really like this idea that we're like walking billboards, each of us. And so what more do the majority of us use is bags, whether it's grocery shopping for your computer, for the gym, for whatever you need for your purse, you use a bag. So I created these hashtag therapy is cool totes as this idea that all of us could walk around the world spreading the message that mental health and mental health treatments is not something that we are closed off to. It's not something that we have negative views of, that each person that rocks their tote is really telling everyone that sees them, I'm a safe person. I believe in mental health and mental wellness. And 
I believe that this isn't something that should be whispered behind closed doors and let's invite conversation. Let's talk about this. Let's connect. And the outcome has, I mean, I couldn't prepare for it. I had no idea. It's amazing. I I mean, I truly had no idea, no idea how this would all turn out. I was like, well, hopefully, you know, five people buy this tote. And um, you're living at the post office now, right? Like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I'm just, you know, doing this. I love your little stories. She's always filming herself at the post office with her big tote. They know her by her first name now. Yeah, they know me. You know, they're friends with me. And I, I truly wanted to make this mental health action campaign also about the action part and the action part is is that each month the proceeds go to a different not-for-profit or non-profit that provides mental health services to the community because what I know about therapy as a provider and a consumer is that it is inaccessible for such a large amount of our community and I can walk around with a tote talking about how great therapy is but if I'm not also doing something to help fund it it felt like it would be limited in the work that I was doing so the awesome part is is that I research organizations I contact them I learn about their services and then each month I get to donate the proceeds to them in hopes of helping support their organization continuing to provide low cost or free services to their own community. Absolutely beautiful. And you that's, know, I'll that's tell you, <laughs> yeah, no, fantastic. And I always love the guests who know exactly what we're going to talk about because it's like I don't even have to say a word. It's like amazing. I know, it's like, no, um, I'll talk about no. day, so I should probably pause yeah. to breathe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And I'll let you pause now because I wanted to say when I was in India, a lot of people asked yes. me, what is that? What is that? Because, you know, obviously a lot of them understood the hashtag, but they were like, okay. what is that? Yep. And and I would talk about it. And, you know, I've I've been really vocal about this on Instagram that, you know, many people in other countries, as I'm sure you, you get, you know, reach out to me for services because it's not that they can't necessarily afford them, but it's it, some of them do have access issues, but again, most of it is more along the lines of just cultural traditions and yep. stigma and shame, and they can't even approach their parent and ask them. And yes. I have some really great friends who are psychologists in India now, and they are really trying to make some strides, and they yes. are doing some work over there, but it really is difficult for these young people, and I have these these people, every course that I offer, I give at least two free um, seats out in every course Amazing. to teenagers or young adults in other countries who can come into the course and and get some help right and you know that's what I love about the campaign it's getting global now and you know we're able to really branch out and and Mm -hmm. and really make the statement but what I love most about you and your work you know your page is just so so inspiring about how important it is to check in with your mental health we check mm-hmm. in with our bodies we check mm-hmm. in you know what we're eating my dear friend dan did a live the other day you know we're checking in with our bodies and what's it doing and i and i'm like you know like you said in your post but are we really checking in with our emotions with our mind with our mm-hmm. feelings every day other mm-hmm. than letting mm-hmm. them take us away so yes. can you talk a little bit about you know really for our listeners why that's so important 
and some things that they can maybe do just on a day-to-day level right now? Yeah, I really appreciate that question because I think that when we're talking about well-being, when we're talking about health, people have a limited view about what that really is. And I think that a lot of it is in our society, we talk about health and it means physical health. So you can go to any newsstand and there are, you know, dozens of health magazines, but they're talking about physical health. So people are equating health with physical health and physical health is critical. It is huge. It is necessary. And where is the discussion around mental health? Where are the magazines that focus on mental health? Why aren't we as a society truly understanding that physical health and mental health are part of who we are? We have both. Every human on this planet has both. So what are we all doing to pay attention to that? How are we taking care of our mental health? There are things in our lives that are out of our control that can impact our physical health and our mental health. But there are many more things in our lives that we can do to help ourselves access mental wellness, access a healthy state of mind. And that can come in so many ways. Therapy is one, but the avenues are endless. There is meditation, there is yoga, there is journaling, there is gratitude. I really enjoy mindfulness practices because that truly is a technique and intervention I can use at any moment, at any day to check in with how I'm doing, how is my mental state, and I can do it whether I'm in the car or in my office. So this idea that it's 2019, we truly do need to shift from when we're talking about health and the importance of health, we also need to be talking about mental health and the importance of taking an active role in caring for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like you said, there's so many ways, you know, the spiritual movement has grown profoundly since the mid-90s, right? And I know because... You know, being a researcher in the field of emotion regulation, the emotion revolution took place in the early 2000s, late 1990s. But, you know, right now we're seeing a crossroads of hybrids, right, of people being able mm-hmm. to incorporate, I always say, from the five dimensions of, of us, right? We got to check in with our spirit. We got to check in with our soul. We got to check in with our mind. You know, we got to check in with our heart. You know, we got to be able to look at the overall holistic aspect of how it all comes together, right? And the wholeness of ourselves as five. And, you know, I I think, again, we focus so much on one or the other. I, I was guilty, too. You know, I was in therapy since I was probably about 27 or 28 until I was about 35, And I went through a plethora of therapists (laughs) and, you know, every time it was always not working, it was not working, it was not working. And there was nothing wrong with the therapists. They were all amazing. And, but then I met the most amazing one and he just retired. God, God bless this man. And I will tell you, I wanted to leave with him when he retired. I was like, don't, don't retire because I don't know what I'm going to do. (laughs) And he said the most beautiful thing to me. He said to me, he said, it is time. You've been in my office for like 
four years. Yes. <laughs> he goes, and I've yep. loved every minute with you, but it's time. And mm-hmm. I think that the best therapists are the ones who remind us that we have to be our own healers at the end of the day, mm-hmm. that we can use mm-hmm. all these tools, right, to get where we need to. But we've got to be able to put it all together at the end of the day. So, you know, yes. can you just maybe provide some guidance for our listeners? Because a lot of people either try it by themselves, lacking tools, or they go out and they do a lot of different things, but they don't know how to piece it together. So, you know, what advice do you have for them in trying to really create like a, a good plan that incorporates mental health and those kinds of things? I think that giving yourself a chance to try a variety of approaches and techniques is really going to be what I call building up your toolbox. So Mm -hmm. I think that we have tools, whether we have learned them or we will learn them, and they are accessible to us in our own toolbox. And the more tools that we can put in our toolbox, the better equipped we can be for things that will impact us mentally. So if somebody is asking themselves the question, how can I start paying attention to my mental health? How can I start addressing some underlying beliefs, systems, ideas? How can I check in with my emotional regulation? I would then encourage them to try different avenues that are therapeutic so that they can not only have varying experiences, but in turn have varying tools that they can access when they find themselves in a place where they need that. So going out in the world and deciding, do I like meditation? Well, I'm not sure. I've never tried it. Let me sign up for a meditation class. Would I benefit from therapy? I don't know. I've never tried it. Let me find a therapist in my community that I feel like could potentially be a good fit. Do I want to try journaling? Okay, let me buy a journal prompt book, right? We can even get those online for free and dedicate an hour a day to journaling. You can really look at all of the available avenues and go out, try them, and then pick and choose the ones that you either want to continue to use or that you feel like you've already integrated those tools so that you can take them with you as you move forward. Beautiful, beautiful. And, you know, the other thing that I love that is really profound in your campaign, again, is ending this aspect of stigma. And as you Mm -hmm. said, a lot of even your own clients or people that mm-hmm. you knew shutting their locators off on their phone or yes. being afraid to talk about it. You know, we're in 2019. We have right. people talking about the evolution of their souls and ascension. Like there, no one's afraid of that anymore. And yet right. people are still afraid to talk about going to therapy. And, yes. you know, I think that the thing that I am most concerned about is, something that we both touched base on last week, children, school, Mm. and being a teacher for 23 years now, um, you know, I've had the advantage of teaching every grade from fifth grade all the way through PhD students. And I can tell you that I have seen some improvement, but still not to my liking. Um, Teachers have 
worst, you know, no, it's not worst, but I guess I could say it was the most difficult job, but the worst opportunity yes. is what I'm trying to say to really make a difference, right? Yes. It's a challenging yes. job, but they have the least amount of opportunity and flexible muscle really right. to go out and, and do the things that they want to. I mean, when I interview teachers, I mean, they say at the end of the day, I want more emotional support from yes. myself and for my yes. students. I want my yes. students to do more than make, you know, happy and sad faces and put them on yep. popsicle sticks. I want us to talk seriously about mindfulness and bring yoga yes. into schools, but yeah, everyone's afraid of it. And, yeah. you know, so can you talk a little bit about that? Because I loved your post the other day about how we, we spend six weeks playing dodgeball or kickball. I can't remember <laughs> what it was, but, but we don't I know. spend I have enough time always, on emotions. I always <sighs> have to have some humor in my posts or... Yeah. They're just not going to be authentic to me. So, yeah. Well, my daughter appreciated it because she had a six-week volleyball unit that she hated, but she loved yoga. So it's okay. Yeah. So the post was about note to parents. It's okay if your child can benefit from mental health services. And what yeah. that really was, was let's truly support parents, adults who are going out in the world and seeking additional services for their child when they see a need. A lot of society, parents included, either don't understand mental health conditions, don't have the information, or have not learned about what that looks like, aren't aware of symptoms, aren't sure how to start navigating finding providers or treatment. There's a lot of unknown, and there's a lot of fear, embarrassment, shame around this idea that seeking out psychological support is somehow reflective of who the parent is or what yeah. the parenting is like instead of really wrapping around these parents and saying, wow, that's amazing that you saw a need that your child was struggling with and you went out there and accessed support. Nobody is shaming parents when they are taking their child to the doctor when there's right. a fever, right? No one's shaming them. Yeah. They're like, oh, thank goodness he took them right away. I mean, if you hadn't taken them, it would have gotten so much worse. It could have turned to pneumonia. No one's saying that with mental health, though. No one's saying, oh, good thing you saw that your daughter was feeling depressed and you took her right away to see a therapist. They're saying, oh, it's a phase. Oh, right. she's over it. Oh, she's just emotional, right? And so truly understanding that, when we go out in the world to support our children, to support our family, it is not something that should be shameful. It should not be something that other people are passing judgments on. It should be something that is promoted and encouraged and supported because it is something that truly, truly, truly can change lives. Yeah. And you know, what I love the most, because as being a mom of a tween, and I have a 10 and an 8-year-old now, yes. and I love hearing the words that they speak, you know, and they even throw around words like, do you think it's depression? You know, when they talk about a yes. friend who's not yeah. feeling well, and it's not anything shameful. It's nothing dark. They understand this is an emotional state of being. It comes yes. and it can shift. And, yes. you know, I think I'm experiencing some anxiety, mom, this, this, and that. We had a house fire, um, you know, quite a while ago now. But, you know, they, they seemed like they were doing okay, but I wasn't doing so well yes. through it. And, yes. 
you know, I decided, I said, you know, I'm going to have them go and talk to, you know, a former student of mine now who had her own practice and they loved every minute of it. And then when we were going through the divorce and the beginning stages, a lot of people don't think about it. They wait until the child is struggling versus doing preventative care. So I always say therapy should be preventative too. That many times if we just had a wonderful therapist, we could check in with once a month after we get ourselves to a stable place. Right. Just like, you know, going and going to the gym and checking yes. with them. What, why is this such a negative thing? I was right. shamed for taking my children to therapy. I mm-hmm. was told that that would ruin them, that they would oh, be yep. worse off. And I was yes. shocked. Yes. I was shocked in this day and age. So you, yes. you just sound like you're not shocked. You hear it a lot. <laughs> I, guess, yeah. I think, though, we can know that exists. But when it really presents with us and it becomes our reality, it is shocking because yeah. society, as you've mentioned, has come a long way, yet a long way is not enough yet. We are mm-hmm. not at a place where people can truly talk about mental health, mental health conditions. Suicide is still in the top 10 yeah. reasons of death. And so that tells me that, okay, we've made progress, but that progress is nowhere near the level of support and acceptance that we need to be at so that we can have happy, healthy children, adolescents, adults, a whole lifespan of people who are understanding mental health and are understanding if and when they might need additional support around that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, often I talk about in my own practice now that a lot of my people that I work with are parents whose kids have left, you know, whether to college or now. And and they're experiencing such emotional separation and the transition in who am I? And, you know, I'm no longer needed as I once was. I have to start shifting my mindset into, well, how am I needed now? But they don't understand that right away, right? And so, you know, not only do we need additional ability, access, services, all those kinds of things when we're young, but as we're getting older, I think you can probably acknowledge that we're seeing higher levels of depression in our, you know, 50s, 60s, things like that, that are not always necessarily menopausal, but, you know, lifestyle changes, things like that, just aging, that it's so important that we seek that out. Do you see that there's stigma for our older individuals as well? I almost see that as even more significant because of the era that they learned about mental health and learned about mental health conditions. And the mindset that some people might have adapted is we don't talk about it. We don't acknowledge it. We don't feel it. Right. And if that truly is the system at play within you, then that's how you're going to operate throughout your whole life course. And so even if mental health services might be recommended, might be uh, requested, that doesn't mean that the older generation is open or willing to access them. So we come to a point where if people feel like going to therapy is shameful, taking medication is shameful, accessing psychological support is shameful, they truly believe that. They are so much less likely to access them. And even though it could benefit them, even if we provide them with research, if that is what they believe, then that is what they'll believe. 
Yeah, it is different to shift that, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the one thing that really, really makes me happy in this day and age, though, is that we have social media. Mm-hmm. We have the ability to reach such a profound reach than we ever have been before. We have podcasts, we have, yep. you know, the ability to write blogs, we have so much. And I really have faith, you know, that even though we may not see it shifting, right, that it is shifting, I just have to have right. faith. And I know yeah. you probably believe that as well, because you're so positive and so upbeat and just beautiful to watch um, on your page that, you know, it's just one of those things that we just go, we got, let's just hope, let's hope. That people are shifting. But if you had one piece of advice, just one piece of advice, you know, outside of your own movement right now of hashtag therapy, you know, what else do you think we could be doing to really, really get this moving now, just ending the stigma and, and really moving forward? So one thing is hard because I think there's like five things we could do, but yeah, well, we can, if we're we can do more than one. Down, <laughs> we're narrowing it down. Um, first things first, I think mental health education should be in schools, workplaces, environments where people could have access to information that they might not otherwise have access to. I've talked about how we now have three states who have required mental health education to be infused in their school system. And I think that is incredible because school is where children and adolescents and young adults are learning. And if we can guarantee that the conversation around mental health is at least minimally sprinkled in there, there's a hope that in a society as a whole, we can shift. So that's always my first hope. My second hope very much is a personal one that people can think about and decide if it applies to them, which is share your story. If you have a story about living with a mental health condition, whether it's depression, anxiety, Um, If you've experienced trauma, if you have had a period of time in addiction, it doesn't matter what it is. But if you have a story and you can share it, you are truly opening the door for other people to share their stories. And if we can create a society that is safe enough for people to share their stories and then in turn get support, we can truly make a shift on how we're talking about mental health and mental health conditions. I love it. Love it. And that has been my whole movement, you know, has been based on my own trajectory. Um, But most importantly, I think it's easy to get lost in the darkness sometimes of our story that we evenly balance the the good and, and, you know, the dark and the light and all those kinds of things to remind people that there will be shadows, but we will, we can emerge in many times. I think my basic premise is, I, I don't know, and I kind of always get a little worried when I hear people say, here is the cure for anxiety. And I'm like, right. um, you know, I'm 47. I still live with it. But, you right. know, it's one of those beautiful things that when you come to a place of acceptance, this is part of who you are. It's a gift that's given to you to do something with. And I love that. Right. To be able to tell right. the story is fantastic. So right. speaking of gifts, um, as we get to the end of the show here already, I can't believe it, that 
you know, I always ask the legacy question that thinking about the legacy that you want to leave behind when you're retired and you're done and you're looking back on your life, what do you hope for? What do you hope to see? (sighs) Well, I think I would love to be able to walk into a cafe, a library, a store, and hear people openly talking about mental health, mental health conditions, and therapy. I want to be able to leave this profession with hope that the generations that follow will never have to experience the stigma and judgment and discrimination that our current society is. I want to be able to see people openly giving light to these conversations. I want people to be able to talk about what does mental health mean to them? What does depression mean to them? Anxiety, psychosis, all of these things. I want this no longer to be conversations that are behind closed doors where people are turning off their locations. I want this to be a conversation where we can be as a society supporting each other, whether we're in a good mental health state or a not good mental health state. And that would be an amazing thing to be able to bear witness to while in this profession and after I leave this profession. Absolutely beautiful. And I will say this, what I wish for on based on what you just said, I would love to see a magazine in the grocery aisle, just like shape, just like fit, right. That says something like mental fitness, something, whatever. And I want you to be the very first cover (laughs) spokesperson. (laughs) I do. I think you've (laughs) earned this title. Uh, yeah, yes. you've earned that title. And I would be so honored. I would buy several copies so and share with my students. Yeah, absolutely. I love you. You are divine. You so Keep doing your amazing work. And you are welcome Thank here you. in the Inner Revolution anytime. Um, we'd love you. to have you back again and talk about whatever you might be doing. But do you have anything coming up? Um, anything else you want to go ahead and just mention to the listeners? And then also, how can they reach out to you? I'll have all your info in the, the page here on the uh, studio page, but feel free to go ahead and let them know. Yeah. So you can learn a little more about me and the hashtag therapy is cool. Mental health action campaign on our website, which is www.hashtag, which is spelled out. Therapy is cool.com. There you'll be able to see updates of the campaign. You'll be able to see which mental health organization is receiving a month's funds. You'll be able to see pictures of people with their totes and now t-shirts. So it's a really awesome space to kind of check in, um, see what's new with the campaign. I also post um, any publications that the campaign has been featured in or any articles that are written about it. So people can really feel like they're up to date with all the things there. In terms of connecting with just me, the only platform that I'm actually on is Instagram. So you can look up Dr. Period Christina. I think it's a under something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, underscore, underscore. There we go. Um, and I try to be active on there 
when time permits. So I try to post, you know, once a day, once every other day, and I'll hop onto the stories and just connect with this really awesome community that is filled with therapists and mental health advocates and consumers and really have some awesome dialogue around mental health awareness and stigma and what can we do through social media to help change the way society talks about mental health. Well, again, Dr. Christina, thank you so much for being here in the Inner Revolution. It has been a divine pleasure to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. And everyone, thank you for listening to the Inner Revolution show. For Dr. Christina, I am Dr. Renee, and we will be back next week. Have a great, great week. Thank you for listening to the Inner Revolution radio show. If you haven't already done so, check us out on iTunes. And also check out our website at www.transcendentheart.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Dr. Renee One Life. Have yourself an amazing week. Thank you.